0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with... Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2006 creature feature classic Slither. Well,
1: it's a classic now. It didn't start out as a classic, that's it, for
0: sure. It did not.
1: This is a box office flop. Everyone in the world agrees that it's a box
0: office flop. I love when people agree on shit. Yeah. We can always agree on people's failures.
1: We can probably agree that this is a way better movie, totally underappreciated than people would set it up to be.
0: We could definitely agree on that. I think that when this film came out, there was likely a school of thought where this seems old fashioned, this seems kind of cheesy. How did this get made? It's so flying in the face of the types of films that were popular at this time frame, because I was even thinking, what other sort of weird, cheesy thing? Eight Legged Freaks, but even that came out years before this. So.
1: What about Mars Attacks?
0: Mars Attacks was 96.
1: Wow, okay. So, uh,
0: it all feels about the same era, you're right. So 2006, everyone's like, we've grown up.
1: We're we, beyond that.
0: I mean, the closest thing that you could talk about that's very similar to this film in terms of tone is probably Drag Me to Hell. That was in and around this time. Mm-hmm. But other than that this was a little bit of an anomaly particularly coming from this this uh kid this unknown this kid named james gunn who you know cut his teeth on films like tromeo and juliet and and then wrote for the very successful dawn of the dead remake
1: oh i thought you were gonna say scooby-doo franchise
0: well there was also that i personally love his scooby-doo movie because of all the fucking shots they take at scrappy doo in that movie
1: i I do like the scooby-doo movie um and I like sort of the grown-up angles. That sort of surprised me while watching it. Yeah. And I also like that James Gunn did that and Slither so that we, when we make a Scooby-Doo joke while talking about some of the things that go on in this film, it's like double funny, right?
0: It is really funny. And I love that you call me out on the fact that I probably will reference Scooby-Doo because I don't really go too many episodes without saying <laughs>
1: Scooby-Doo. No, and if we can if we can work in an Aliens reference here oh, somewhere, yeah. perhaps.
0: Listen, I just, <laughs> I just really like Scooby-Doo, <laughs> okay? It's a, it was a good show.
1: I really like Scooby-Doo, too, so it's okay. And it's fitting because, I mean, what trope sticks in the minds of so many film watchers, TV watchers, where we can describe what it is like, when people are splitting up or or
0: when somebody's having a zoinks moment. There's definitely some zoinks moments in this film where people are literally shaking, dropping guns, and you would almost imagine if they had the budget, they would have put some cartoonish smoke when, you know, certain characters, like, perhaps when, like, McReady decides to bolt the fuck out of and there. And
1: he runs in air for a second and then takes off with, a, like, a puff of smoke. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. They, it would not be out of place.
0: No, not whatsoever.
1: So, James Gunn also did the Lollipop Chainsaw video game, which I never played. I've heard a lot. I mean, I was really turned off by that franchise. Because of the overt sexuality of the main character and the cosplayer who took on her likeness as far as in in comic conventions and stuff like that. Mm. And not that there was a lot of controversy about that, but it really highlighted a lot of the the problems with people and and their groping and their attitudes toward that and the the attitudes of conventions toward Mm. people in very little clothing. Mm. So there was a little bit of controversy around Mm. that completely overshadowed i think in terms of controversies when it comes to james gunn and some of the things that were said that had him pulled off and put back on the guardians of the galaxy project another thing of his i never fucking watched
0: Mm -hmm. i love those guardians of the galaxy pictures i have my my own sets of problems with the marvel movies and the marvel universe and how they're written and shit like that but and, I, and, and even for me, Guardians of the Galaxy was a deep comic book pull where I was thinking that was the thing that I said to myself, really? What Like what a random fucking... Who, know, who even knows what these characters are? And one of my friends said, no, Wes, go see that movie. You will like it. And I was like, okay. And so I went to go <laughs> see it. And of course, I loved it. I love the music, the colors, the writing. It's brilliant science fiction that you don't even need to... Associate with the Marvel universe if you don't want to. It's it's completely its own fucking thing. Yeah. So and and again, one of the things about James Gunn is he pulled in, uh, you know, his backbench of trauma people and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Fucking Michael Rooker has one of the best roles in both those movies.
1: And I hear Lloyd Kaufman.
0: Lloyd that's Coffin a, has a that, cameo yeah. in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Which is
1: crazy, That's yeah. crazy. He's in this. I missed it. Uh,
0: yeah, he's it he's he's the sad, sad homeless man in the in the police station. You were you were writing one of your notes, your copious amounts of goddamn notes.
1: notes. I'm trying mind mapping now,
0: oh. folks.
1: You know, if anyone's out there, if you if you're on YouTube, you know, and you're not watching typical mm-hmm. books, which is which is my book show, or if you're you know, listening to podcasts that aren't. Dead Air or Bind Torture Cast or Chris's new one, Run, Hide, Kill. If you're listening to podcasts like I do mm. about life management <laughs> <laughs> and you've been very interested in bullet journaling, you know the, the next natural progression of watching videos and listening to podcasts about journaling is mind mapping.
0: You are such uh, a specific type of nerd, and I love it. I love it so much.
1: You want know, to talk specific nerd? I... And this is not a sponsorship from Ancestry.ca, okay? I will tell you that right now. Ancestry DNA has not paid us a fucking dime, but I paid them several dimes to test my spit.
0: (laughs) Listen, there are some people in this world that would pay good money for your spit, so it's crazy that you paid other people for it.
1: Yeah, right? I know. It was was crazy. It was a creepy thing, and it was something that I never thought I would really do, because I was like, I don't want anyone to have my goddamn DNA, but then... The same thing kicks in where I don't care about Big Brother. I don't care about who's selling my name. I don't care. I have nothing. Take it. Right? So, fuck, whatever. We have no horrific criminals that I know of in my past. And if I do whatever, that's their problem. So, yeah. It turns out that I'm exactly what I thought I was. What's that? I am German and Irish. (laughs) (laughs) The only surprise was the 2-12% Norwegian that's in there. So, I was like... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That but, explains a lot. That explains all the
0: death makeup you wear,
1: and that how I can also appreciate looking out the window on a winter's day at this bleak, shitty
0: tundra that we call home. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I've been curious about ancestry shit because, as we know, or as maybe anyone that's listened to the show listens to my stories and shit, is I'm as my mom was uh, adopted. So, you know, just finding out that what my grandmother was from Scotland. Was a, I had no idea. So, um, very interesting shit. So, at least uh, that explains my size and my sturdiness in uh, perhaps damp weather.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Highland, mm. your highland stock, and it explains the little red tint in your hair.
0: You know, more people have been commenting on that lately. They're, like, I was called a ginger just the other week, and I was like, what?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't... You, you got a little ginger hiding there but you have a soul also
0: so i mean it's impossible right like you can't. yeah yeah sometimes when i'm in the light i can kind of see it in the beard and shit but i don't know
1: you got a scottish pattern to your beard growth as well
0: mm-hmm, there you go you know?
1: i like so, it i don't know maybe we'll dig back Is
0: it's true can, but I, yeah but i definitely i've been planning a trip to scotland so i i, I want to go back that's wanna,
1: fantastic
0: yeah i want to go to my roots and sit there and just be like hey Me too, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, someday someday I'll visit my roots. For now, I am an armchair traveler, and I will do the same thing I've been doing for decades now and dig around in family history crap and libraries and microfiche. Microfiche
0: microfiche is is my favorite. You know, but speaking of traveling, you could travel all the way to British Columbia and see where this entire fucking movie was actually filmed.
1: Someday, someday, because it's easier airfare, I think, to fly from British Columbia to places I want to (laughs) go. But yeah, I was surprised that this was uh, Canadian because I didn't, I don't know much about anything, right? Like, all I know is I could make a joke that Nathan Fillion was wearing a brown coat. (laughs) Because <laughs> I didn't like—I don't know—I watched Firefly. I understood who the guy was. It wasn't until I moved to Ottawa that I under that I was introduced to these brown coat type people who, like, I didn't know there was petitions to have the show reinstated. I thought that you think I'm a fucking nerd mm-hmm. for doing genealogy and being interested in mind mapping. Very <laughs> interested in mind mapping. I'll have you know. But what the fuck, brown coats? Seriously, I thought it was it was funny. I could make a little ha ha about Nathan Fillion. I didn't know he was Canadian because I don't pay attention to stuff enough.
0: Yeah, um, it's actually pretty funny. And we're on Canada Day weekend while we're recording this, so yeah. this this is one of those crazy coincidences when, like, when we release Cujo on. Like, National Dog Day or some shit like that. And I, I know. And I'm like, all right. Well, Linda sense.
1: Blair was doing all kinds of dog stuff when we when we did that, wasn't she? But oh, yeah. um, Tanya Solnier was the only Canadian actress I knew of. But that was only because uh, Internet Movie Database told me so.
0: Oh, I was going to say, like, what do you know her from? I don't know her from anything other than this. I know her from
1: the bathtub in Slither man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. That's where everybody knows her from. They might not know her name, but they definitely know naked girl in a bathtub slither was in all the trailers that's on the fucking poster
1: that's the sort of thing about characters like that iconic images like that that aren't really the focal point of the film but like we had a discussion about is it because sex sells where you had not taken it that way but looking at it in context of the film no it's not a sexy moment whatsoever but looking at it from somebody who has not seen this film or is maybe planning on going to see it Mm -hmm. they see this one sheet and they're like oh yeah It's Mm -hmm. like, it reminds you of Freddy's glove in a way.
0: Yeah, I was going to say um, that uh, obviously another famous bathtub scene. That
1: is not sexy. That is
0: not sexy. That I'm sure some people do think is sexy. And I've definitely heard it even analyzed about... Uh, the the sexuality of um, Nancy in the tub naked to me it was always naked tub eyes closed you're not paying attention you're vulnerable you're vulnerable that that the vulnerability of being naked in a bathtub is what always stands out to me not so much like not so much like naked girl in a bathtub you say wow.
1: There's some horror fans. like I, This is the thing about horror I think is hilarious. There are, you know, there would be a convention announcement and there'd be Tanya Solgay and I'd be like, who the fuck is that? And there'd be like 200 other dudes that are like, well, other dudes like me, you know, because I'm a yeah. dude, would be like, oh, that's Tanya Solgay from Slither man. She played the girl in the bathtub. <laughs> they know this <laughs> because it's that important, like that iconic because it is an iconic shot even though this film did very poorly
0: mm-hmm. but it is definitely the thing that people remember it's almost like that scene you know again like another angled scene like in teeth it's like when you see a woman with her eyes closed with a bath pillow and you see the 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 camera between her legs and swim like then slither it looks like something's gonna start swimming up there that's the yeah. cringeness to me uh more than anything Because, but these thankfully these worms need to very specifically go into your mouth. That's the orifice they want into. For some reason, luckily for us. Luckily for us, because I don't want to see, you know, if they were if they were going a little bit more gonzo with this. Like if this, if like if Lloyd Kaufman wrote this, it would be going up people's asses and dickholes and shit like that.
1: Ah, yeah. Or like if uh, Seymour Butts wrote this.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: I, you know I'd like to see a slither too. Just putting that out there. I know James Gunn is listening.
0: Yeah, he's Mr. probably Gunn. he's definitely Mister Gunn Junior. Yeah, I could
1: call you Junior. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Just I I'd love to see this. Not like I I joked about wanting to see it from the point of view of the hive mind of mm. the other creatures. Um, considering the end of the film, I mean mm. that's not that's not a thing, but. Uh, Who knows, maybe one survived, maybe one very tough worm survived, who knows. But it would be interesting to see a a more raunchy and more gory version of this. I mean, this is up there with like Dad Alive. It doesn't get quite as gonzo with the gore, but it's very much in line with something like Basket Case, which does have a lot more, not sexualized, like a sexualized scene uh a little more raunchy that way
0: well they got raunchier the basket case movies got raunchier as they went on yeah but then again Blyle was always a big old perv true he loved them titties
1: he did and burgers yeah and this is all about the meat right
0: it is true Mm -hmm. it is true which is funny that They go for mostly animal meat, When well eventually they go to to humans, but for the most part it's animal meat. I would assume that's to go unnoticed. You start noticing in a small town if you start missing a lot of humans, but I mean no one's going to really bat an eyelash at some possums and coyotes, and they're all labeled so it's really helpful.
1: Which is awesome for, (laughs) you know, learning of this alien hive mind. But I, I think it's such a small town, you would draw just as much attention abducting a person as you do going and ordering 14 <clears throat> steaks and then 25 pounds of ground and packing it all in your truck when no one everyone would know you're not having a barbecue
0: yeah it's because, that
1: small of a town
0: yeah who is who's invited to this barbecue mm-hmm. no one at this grocery store apparently mm-hmm. which seems unlikely
1: it is like a perfect small town though i really like that aspect of this. And when you're talking about the vulnerability of someone in the tub, it's almost the vulnerability of these people being all like one large family in this town because if we saw somebody doing the little weird conniptic dance that these people do when they first get infected, walking down the street in a large city, you would steer the fuck clear of that person and probably call 911 if you were concerned, where these people will run to help one another.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Bill. That's Sam. That's, you know, whatever. That's, yeah, it's a a familiar, almost as if if I were to see you writhing on the floor. I wouldn't uh, I'll let let Lydia sort that out and I'll be back. your
1: hat down like you didn't see it
0: and (laughs) stroll away. Oh my god So there was a was a film that came out uh, like I said at a really interesting time and it is a throwback. it's a throwback to a very specific type of horror back when horror was being blended predominantly with science fiction and the, and it was really about the fear of um, a foreign invasion during the during the Cold War. Uh, when you were afraid of Russia, when you were, fr- and, and then people were afraid of alien invasions and they're afraid of nuclear testing and all the shit that people were afraid of. So you had films like Invaders from Mars and uh, Invaders of the, the Bodymen and Invaders of, uh, the Saucer Men and invade teenagers and invade from teenagers, from teenagers, from uh, uh, teenagers from outer space uh it's a teenagers from outer space um or i was a teenage zombie there's that too yeah. and and again like that's a really good point of the fact that films of that era were marketing for the first time to teenagers um then when they were marketing to teenagers again predominantly in the 1980s what had a resurgence throwback films like the remake of invaders from mars like night of the creeps which is this is you reminded me of that and i was like how could i have missed that this is so similar to night of the creeps and then even something like killer clowns from outer space which again is is like oh this is such a throwback to like 1950s invasion films but if you were to have science fiction slash horror however you want to look at it and you looked at you had an opening shot of a town with a sign and there's old reeds and brush kind of covering up the sign like, welcome to happy time town 101. Like that is how this fucking film opens. And so uh, up to and including a fucking shot of an asteroid, hit it like a comet. like, you know, they may as well have been at like make out point and like, oh baby, what's that over there? They do kind of have a scene like that.
1: They, they basically do. It's a little longer coming because it is a better written film.
0: It's a better written than- film. And everyone is older. That's the thing that I find really fucking fascinating about this. There's two things that set Slither apart to me. One um, narrative choice of the fact that most people are older. Th- yeah. this is affecting full-blown adults with like children guns. And, and guns and shit like that you could easily have this be like like the only adult is steve mcqueen like and and then the rest is just a bunch of like exciting young people as the 56's blob will teach us uh there's another thing that was remade. we, we uh, chris and i were just talking about it 88's blob like again a resurgence of these alien invasion gooey fucking movies yeah
1: yeah, body snatchers, close encounters, all those things. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so this this film coming from a very long lineage. Clearly, James Gunn was a fan of those types of fucking movies. And when he had a little bit of extra scratch and he had access to more actors, uh, he he said, "Okay, this is the type of movie that I want to make. I want to make a movie that seems very '80s, but '80s inspired by shit from the '50s." And I think that's where you have like this weird gooey amalgam of modern and classic and then vintage on top of that
1: yeah yeah where he can't help it he's definitely wearing all of his influences on his sleeve or mm-hmm. wearing his influence straight in the line of cameos the way things are named this has got the hannah and lauder fall fair or whatever the hell and mm-hmm. there's toxic avenger playing on a tv the kids are reading goosebumps like yeah oh, it yeah. is definitely
0: this juxtaposition of all these oh, eras the, all the, the things the, he loves the mayor's name is McReady. Yeah. Right? That's that. You, you, Jack you, McReady. You, you're you not making. That is not a coincidence. That is purposeful.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, for
0: the thing, for the uninitiated. I don't know how I would have to explain that for people, but I would. Always... Escape
1: from New York or escape from LA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, McReady. Jack, there's different names smushed yeah. together. Yeah. He is a big fan. I'm surprised that he doesn't live in a town called Romero or go to Romero High like we were or, talking about other people that wear their. Yeah. Um, influences on their sleeve. Rob Zombie had a voice acting bit in this, apparently. I just noticed at the end, at the credits.
0: I have no idea who he played in it.
1: Neither did I. Hmm. But, um, James Gunn himself, uh, very young at this point, uh, this is his directorial debut, so it goes to show that the guy knows how to make movies out of the gate. Apparently as a book. Uh, everything I know about film I learned from Toxic Avenger or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, written with uh, Lloyd Kaufman Mm
0: -hmm. Lloyd Kaufman very famously wrote Make Your Own Damn Movie
1: yeah so they, they do know how to fucking make movies. Definitely James Gunn does, obviously going on to what he's gone on to and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. I, I've just seen a lot of buzz about Brightburn. It doesn't seem to be something that I'm very interested in because I thought it was like a take on a Ray Bradbury story, but when I learned it wasn't, then I stopped being
0: interested because oh. I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, he, uh, he produced that. So, I, that, But again, like that's one of those things where it's a weird fucking concept where you watch that and you're like, what if they did Evil Superman? And you watch the trailer and... And you think, how did they That's, get away with this? Like, yeah. this is not subtle. Mm-hmm. This is literally Clark Kent's origin story, but the kid is evil.
1: But it could be anyone. If this was a world where Superman didn't exist,
0: it would just be a story. It, true, right? but I'm just trying to say that you made a movie based off of a very familiar archetype that is owned by Warner Brothers. That's,
1: you can't copyright ideas.
0: You could, you could make an argument for the fact that you could, that they would say like, well, this is a derivation of Superman, and we own that origin, and we own that
1: thing. Then the courts would say, prove it, like yeah. show us where they're. I'm not saying, am saying that I'm if the not, kid's
0: name's Clark, then we got a problem. I'm not saying that it's not able to contend with it. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that Warner Brothers has some bucks; they could make a stink about it to kill it before it ever got. They made.
1: won't, because they know that you can't copyright an idea either.
0: Yeah, but people try to go after this type of shit all the time.
1: Only if there is things named similarly, or if they use settings that are exact, if Mm -hmm. they use phraseology that is exact, then they're in a lot of trouble, and that is uh, plagiarism. But otherwise, now you can't copyright an idea, so I'm cool with it.
0: I think, like, I I don't really care about Brightburn one way or the other. I was just like looking at it. I was like, huh. Seen it before? I've, but, I've I've read it a million times in a comic book. What if Superman was evil? It's been written eight hundred thousand times. Yeah, yeah. So
1: anyway, um, so he does know how to make a <clears> film. <throat> that's for sure. Yeah. I'm still surprised when I watch this. The first time I watched this when I was when it first came out. I don't know what it was that turned me off about it, and it must be something to do with the the political or socioeconomic climate at the time, or that my frontal prefrontal cortex had not finished growing. Something like that. <laughs>
0: also like yeah i mean where we are in life can really speak volumes to uh, sometimes we like things way better yep and then we don't like it anymore or you know it's like it's like music right it's a, i'm it's... waiting till i grow up enough to like suspiria no, i could see why you wouldn't like, suspiria. <laughs> like like honestly that's one of those things where i won't fight you on that <laughs> yeah, right. i like suspiria but i don't think it's like the greatest thing ever but i could definitely see how the characters would grade on you
1: And I'm getting better with that. This one, it was a fairly stark 180 when I first watched it, didn't care for it, then watched it again and was like, what the hell? Why didn't I like this? What's wrong with me? This is great. And then watching it again, I'm like, this is double great because I I get a lot more of the references and I can appreciate a lot more of the stunts a lot better. I can appreciate a lot more of the the jokes. because I always do like in a film where someone has a very real world summation of a very absurd circumstance. And the line that stood out, that was the best line in the entire film, worms are driving my friends around like they're goddamn skin cars <laughs> spoke by Mac Reddy himself
0: <laughs> uh, yeah um, I don't know I've had that experience before we've se- seen it on on the podcast I, w- I really hated Twenty Eight days later when I first saw it when when that came out but that being said I also I also have like a penchant to be a contrarian so when things are popular I don't like them mm-hmm. and so when more people were when the normies are talking about 28 days later I'm like fuck that movie like instantly. <laughs> Fuck it, fuck it in its ass, and then you know, give me twenty years or so, and then I'll watch it again. I'll be like, oh, okay, you know what? Actually, I like this. And the more, and and people call me on that all the time, and I've d- denied it for years. I can't deny it. that is literally like that is so ingrained in my personality where I'll just say fuck something because it's super popular. Not always, but sometimes.
1: What's weird to me is like something like Tremors gets um, sequels and <laughs> adulation, and this just sort of slithered back into the undergrowth.
0: Tremors, another great example of a weird creature invasion film. Uh, I can't really explain why that... It might have been the era in which it was made. Tremors, the difference between Slytherin and Tremors, I think, is James Gunn wrote and directed and... Help get this thing financed and really at the time used, I'm assuming used his clout because I'm assuming you get Slither because you wrote Dawn of the Dead and then Dawn of the Dead was a huge fucking success. Yeah. And then, and then when that happens and he's already directed Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, then it's like, okay, well, this guy's directed a film. It's a cult film. No one really knows it, but trauma fans do. But, you know, he wrote this thing, and this made us a lot of money. So, hey, James, what do you want to do? And then he says, you know, this is how, like, a fucking shot-for-shot remake of Psycho gets made. It's like someone does really well, and then they're like, what do you want to do? And it's like, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. John Carpenter with The Thing, for example. Another one. So uh, when that happens, and then this fucking goes down the turlet. Uh, the only one who still has an interest in Slither is James Gunn. But then James Gunn goes on to uh, Marvel World, and now he's courted by DC. He he's, almost falls like a James Wan trajectory. Exactly, right? And then it's kind of like, if, if you were to ask him in an interview, ever think about a Slither 2? Probably. But he's also <laughs> doing other things that help his career and make him money and that he's genuinely happy to do. So I could, I could definitely see whereas like tremors, I don't know who worked on. I'm like, there's no way tremors is one person's baby. That is people that are just like, gotta make another tremors. For me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, wasn't Kevin Bacon in that?
0: He was in the first yeah, one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now this one, like the blonde girl that everyone likes. Elizabeth so much. Banks. Yeah. yeah. Um, she and James Gunn were. I guess it was it came up on Twitter that he had said something about working with her again on something that was horror. And I don't know if he meant *Brightburn* or if there's something else coming up in the future. But with, there's nothing
0: like listed. She was in *Brightburn*, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if that's what he was talking oh, about. Yeah. That, is that really a horror film?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's super. It's apparently super gory too. Oh,
1: good. Yeah. I'm getting more and more interested as we speak. Yeah. Oh, wow. this was my third time watching this film. When did you encounter? You didn't go to like theater? Yeah, right? I saw it. Oh, there. really? Yeah. Oh, was it a like I am still trying to explain to myself why this didn't make its budget back.
0: Um I, again, I think this goes back to what was making money in the theater. This film was at a weird time in horror. If you look at the early Millennia. And I know we've talked about this before because this is the same reason why Drag Me to Hell tanked. It's because at the time horror was shifting into what it is known for now, which is we are no longer selling to teenagers. We are no, so the 80s without selling to teenagers, the 90s things die, they resell to the teenagers based on postmodernism. Then you shift, the big fucking shift is the Sixth Sense in 1999. There's always a transitionary film that transitions, either *Rosemary's Baby* and and uh, *Night of the Living Dead* in 1968, *Halloween* in 1978, um, you know, and 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 shit like that. There's always there's always something that bleeds into the next decade and defines the decade. The the, the biggest thing that was going on in horror in the early aughts was uh, remakes of Japanese films. People loved uh, those fucking films. Um, also, uh, like lots of dramas that have ghosts in them. And that's still prevalent today. But that, uh, but by, by the late aughts, like 2006, 7, eight, nine, and shit like that, that's when you were having films that were coming out. That's where James Wan started showing up. And not only that, but a lot of fucking remakes and horror were coming out that were grittier, nastier, dirtier and, and darker. It's like horror was just darker because when they were coming out of the United States people were processing their emotions from 9/11 and a new war and a new recession and so 2006 no fun allowed no no fun allowed like not every, like their emotions had not been processed yet and i think that horror there was this misconception and the myth is that when this movie is not worthy of their ticket prices because they will, th- this looks quote unquote dumb. This looks cheesy. This looks puerile, less than serious, however you want to look at it. Whereas that got asses in the seats in the 1970s and 80s. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, that didn't get asses in the seats anymore because the reason why postmodernism worked in horror, if you ask the serious, uh, scholars on the subject was because it wasn't elevating horror it was turning a mirror to her and saying like look how dumb this is <laughs> and and then when the darker era of horror came out and you were having films like Hostel and Saw and uh, you know even stuff like Cabin in the Woods which was like a little bit lighthearted but still fucking pretty dark in some Ser- yeah. Serbian film um, uh,
1: I think of uh, Cabin Fever, too. This seems to be right on par with that
0: yeah. sort of ideas. So so this film comes out in a wide release in the theaters. If this film was a direct-to-DVD like throwaway thing, this would have been a cult classic that people would have discovered. And it would have... Probably, and it would have been not the financial break to James Gunn's career that it was at the time. And I think it was almost like the audacity that a film like this would to come out into a wide release into the theaters because what people were interested in was low lit rooms and children with peanut butter in their mouth mumbling their lines yeah, and 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 that's what people were interested in and to a great extent that's what people are still fucking interested in because every time a horror film comes out that does not fit the parameters of drama ghost drama ghost if they don't fucking fit that parameter mumble kids and mumble kids that like sound like they are reading their lines after being punched in the fucking face uh sorry that's a
1: harsh criticism of today's child actors
0: I can't listen (laughs) if I have one more starry-eyed child telling me that there's like a monster in their closet or a boogeyman under their bed I'm going to find whoever made the film rip their throat out shove the throat chunks into their mouth and make them chew it until they do better
1: like, he's pantomiming this, grabbing someone by the head, top of the head, and a jaw, and working their mandible. I like this. That's good. That's a good. You know, this is better than me threatening to stab people in the temple. You have a way about you, Wes.
0: Nah, writer. Well, you're a writer too. Yeah, but, I I,
1: it, but I save it. I guess I don't. You know save all it, you, I, and it's pretty raw anger too. Like,
0: I just, yeah. I, I just, you know, I used to defend these films, and I'm getting to a point where I'm very sick of them.
1: You should go to one of those dinner-in-a-film places so that you have a table in front of you that you can flip. That
0: <laughs> shit. Uh, oh, and I think that the reason why I'm falling so hard back on old films all the time and and because I'm just like, remember when people just wanted to make a fucking entertaining movie with some tits in it and some blood just trying to make a buck and they weren't trying to like, and horror fans weren't like sitting there with their fucking monocles being like, oh, this person should get an Oscar. Don't you agree? <laughs> Like, like what the fuck happened? Anyway, that's how come I like Slytherin <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I like Slither and me. There's grummy. no pretension around it. It's just a dude who likes monster movies making a fucking gory monster movie.
1: With a really, really good cast. It's written really well. Holy they do shit. have a really good cast. They have, you know, there's some CG that
0: just holds up. Just, it's just, yeah. yeah. Just. And, and honestly, if I were to say anything about the advertisement, I would have gone way less on showing the little Wormy guy Eyes because I know for a fact that some of my friends... Well, I saw this in the theater by myself. Mm. Uh, I know that my friends didn't want to go because they said it looked, quote-unquote, cheap.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy. Okay. I mean, but what could what could you have shown? What could you have shown? But, you know, I, I like that it highlights a very interesting aspect of this that is a direct throwback to a lot of the Invasion films and Night of the Creeps mm. especially.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: And... You know, I, I like that. And I think that that helps speak to the intended audience. But it would have been really helpful if they would have shown some of the really crazy effects to really pick up some of the people who are looking for a little more crazier. Mm-hmm. Or they could have just shown. You know, the the skylight and moon in the background and the sign and a guy standing in the road in
0: silhouette with a gun. And, I, uh, I can't really remember how the trailers went for this flick. Me but neither. I, but I do remember the bathtub scene. I do remember the POV shots of the worms crawling around people. But I just think that nowadays, like, you know, every so often nowadays, if, if you don't get horror and drama, what you get is um, kind of like a weird combination of... of uh, postmodern horror in which you know you see like that fucking new movie with like bill murray in it and shit it's got zombies and it looks like wes anderson fucking directed it and shit like that like i think if you had a trailer that leaned on the comedic lines in this film Mm -hmm. you probably would have gotten more asses in the seats
1: in australia
0: yeah,
1: in <laughs> I'd like to see how it did in Australia. Cause in I didn't Australia, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the, the, the dark humor in this is my kind of yeah. horror comedy. Yeah. I had recently yeah. written a written, fuck, I wish <laughs> I'd recently read Horror Store by Grady Hendrix, yeah. and I talk about it on typical books. How I had turned my nose up at it for the longest time because it was billed as a horror comedy, mm. but it upon reading it, discovering that it is indeed my kind of dark horror comedy mm-hmm. there are certainly funny moments you mm-hmm. uh busted a gut and slapped a knee here and there i, I,
0: I do like yeah. <laughs> I, I do like some of the lines in this fucking movie a lot nathan fillion is an incredibly charming actor he yeah. really can deliver deliver his lines in a way that i think that like listen, there's a reason why he's become such a, a, a cult phenomena uh, and why the Comic-Con crowds love him so much. He's like, I've seen him, uh, work that crowd in person. And they, to say that people love this guy, you know, and the crazy thing is with like the cult of personality around him these days, if this movie was released today, it would oh my do, God. it would do huge. They should just re-release it. Just they should just re-release it. re-release it like yeah. it's
1: new or something. Yeah. I mean, this uh Greg Henry, I really enjoyed his character mm-hmm. cuz he almost swears enough to be up in stifler levels of swearing <laughs> and I like I like
0: swearing. Oh yeah, from the from the first scene you ever see uh, um, uh Jack McReady, he is swearing up a storm he's apparently the mayor like it's weird yeah no
1: he's a great mayor though (laughs) especially in a small town where you can kind of get away with everything and like one of his earlier lines aside from a string of swears is easy come easy go and that's kind of the attitude of a small town when somebody's the fire chief police chief mayor whatever they sort of just fall into that job it's not necessarily like they have to work very hard and he certainly doesn't because his biggest concern is what sort of coke they have in the cop cars
0: yeah yeah interesting a lot of uh, mr pibb and tab interesting choices for what they're drinking i've never had either one of those i've had tab yeah really i've never uh i've never had either one of it's them a yummy
1: diet coke it's a diet coke
0: oh is that what it is basically it's got a cherry flavor i believe uh it's like a dr pepper almost
1: mm, not as yummy
0: oh uh, i heard oh you know what i i think i remember my old roommate who was american Tell me about Mr. Pibb, and that kind of was like a a, a, a Dr. Pepper, I think.
1: I'm going to have to ferret out some Mr. Pibb if it still exists.
0: Yeah, I have. Like, again, the I... Dad had
1: ferreted out a Zagnut bar before. after Beal juice. took me years, but I finally mm. got a Zagnut bar. It's yeah. not very good.
0: Yeah, it was like when I had joke Cold for the first time, I was like, wow, this tastes disgusting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, on, on, on with the show. Before we get into the, the thick and the thin...
0: And we've already gotten super thick of slither.
1: Yeah. Do you got anything on the slab?
0: I do. Um, if anyone has been listening to the podcast, you guys know that I've been writing Teresa. And uh, also, there's another project coming in October, which I'll be able to announce very shortly. <laughs> I already know
1: what it is.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you do. <laughs> but mo- everyone else doesn't. But issue five of Teresa will have dropped by the time this episode comes out titled Nightmare Fuel.
1: Mm, I like that. Yeah. I like that. And, and it is. So, yeah. I mean, the, the series as it is right now is kind of nightmare fuel. If you think about it, if you take these words to heart... Yes. Which it seems readers must because you get interaction and your subscribers are, are my you...
0: subscribers swell all the time we're on we're marching towards 400 subscribers um we're marching towards twenty thousand views so uh, yeah it's doing really really well and I'm very happy and people seem to dig uh, the Nuklaviv, our our new monster our. Sort of sassy horse demon.
1: <laughs> sassy horses.
0: Yeah, people are, are really uh, taking a shine to the Nukla our sassy horse demon, who um, I, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder about if I should just pull all my demons from folklore, because it really makes them easy to write. Because you don't have to think about what a demon's abilities or powers would be, because it's all there for you.
1: Yeah, good thing it's not owned by Warner Brothers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, They'd cause... be like, hey, hey. You can't name that Nuk-Laviv thing Superman. Like, just watch me.
1: (laughs) No, that's awesome. That is really awesome. And when after, like, okay, so five, and then how much more, Teresa, do we have to look forward
0: to? to? Well, to finish off everything, I'm suspecting 12 issues.
1: Okay nice
0: it'll be a 12 issue run at, at the very least and here's the thing uh i have ideas for something else we'll see i'm i'm I, but it's but for now in my brain it's 12 issues and if people want more i have something else that is also very good it's going to be like the bonus 13th book in the death note box set Something like that. No, it'll be... Uh, it'll be the same. Because the thing with, with... The thing with Teresa, the thing with any sort of power anime that that a lot of people have, like, been comparing this to, it's like... Which it's not, because, like, Teresa's not going to get much more powerful. She has her... Her awakening that will occur, and that's pretty much what she'll have. But... Um, what you do, like, like, if you're watching Dragon Ball or Bleach or something, all you do is you have a season, you tell a story, and then the main character kills the bad guy, and then you just put a stronger one in there. Yeah. That, to me, is great, you know, if you want something to just keep going. Um. Like long and drawn out Monster of the Week. Exactly. Yeah. So, which is fine, but there is a purpose to why these monsters are showing up, and that has, obviously, an enemy attached to it, uh, not the, the, our Gnostic, uh, Sumner Gracchus uh, that we have so far there's more to it than that but um I have something else that could that would tie things up rather neatly but after that that'd be pretty much it and maybe that would be another six so we'll see I don't I, I want to see how we feel after 12 issues and right. let's see like how the audience feels and and shit because there's a there's also an idea that like you know if the audience wants more i just feel like, you think you want more but there comes a point of diminishing return sometimes
1: like firefly fans
0: like firefly fans it was like just love just like slither love that you have slither love it love that it's okay that there's no slither too um <laughs>
1: it is okay
0: there's yeah no I, I, like you know and um but i i could definitely leave them wanting a little bit more but I have been thinking, and there is uh, a chance to do something else. And also, we're bringing in more lore based creatures. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to spoil a little bit, but let's just say my love of stringy haired ghost girls is going to get uh, exercised. Well, in, I would in fist pump
1: right now if I were the fist pumping type. <laughs> yeah. You know me.
0: Yeah. I but, don't like, fist pump. Yeah. I was just like, what happens if Teresa can't stab something? What I, she? I, what would she do?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm really looking forward to this. So anyone that's waiting for a series to wrap up, because there's a lot of people that wait for a series to be done before picking up the set of books or the films mm-hmm. or whatever, just don't bother waiting. Subscribe.
0: Subscribe if you want to subscribe. But like, but also I want to make it clear that even though this is an ongoing series, I try to make sure that our arcs, If people will probably notice by now, whether it's darkness or nightmare, if, a, if it's a sharing a, a word in the title they're connected stories but once that story is completed you could put it down yeah yeah like that th- like this is an this is a there's a resolution there's a resolution to it we're done we don't need to do any more so at the like don't think that you've missed a whole bunch too you could like jump in at something don't jump in at nightmare fuel go go (laughs) go to lucid nightmare but (laughs) but you know what i'm saying yeah
1: crazy okay i got nothing really big going on i'm still writing a story and uh, uh, oddly enough this has been one of the toughest uh things i've written in that i had too many ideas Hmm. like 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 boils erupting under my skin these stories and i I, I How squeezed you- I, I, to express the fluid within each one. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it was just a mess like you'd expect. And um, uh, yeah, I think I've started seven stories, six stories.
0: How do you, let me ask you this. As someone who, uh, I don't suffer from too many ideas. I get so focused on one thing that I have a really hard time thinking about anything else i wish i had
1: that problem
0: that's how come i'm able to to write things quickly is because like that my whole that's why when someone's like write this other comic i'm like "Uh, uh, two different things (laughs) so i need to like dedicate weeks to different things because i can't i just can't but you are a a woman who like is like like you you're like a stephen king in the sense that like walk across the road and you have a new idea for something so how do you figure out what goes where, how do you figure out what order that things go into?
1: If sometimes if I write out a bit, then I'll have a sense of where it's going to go. Sometimes things come come in a complete parcel, beginning, middle and end. Mm. And I can, at times like that, just sit down and write the whole story. Mm. Um, Like that last abandoned Island one that just came out as Mm. one entire idea. Um, Bad Shepherd came out as one entire idea. Mm -hmm. like, that sort of stuff, but you know, sometimes if I have a little idea, I'll just have to sit on it, or tell mm. myself the story, or tell someone else the story orally, mm. and then I'll know where it's going to go. A lot of times, those stories just end in the middle and kind of go, and then I don't know what how it goes.
0: Yeah do you have a, do you have things do you have a lot of like started and stopped projects that just kind of yeah. sit there for a bit yeah. something like um that's a little shorter like uh, steak.
1: His date is is short, but that came out as a, as a complete idea and written mm-hmm. quite rapidly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, so you just you're somewhere I don't know. Perhaps the sto- the the smell of uh, corn stalk or something makes you think of something, or a pump. You see a pumpkin because uh, I feel like this might have been around the fall. It was coming
1: no, because when you're writing for Halloween, it's somewhere in uh, this time here, right? So those ideas have like come to me all of the time there's never usually a season along with it except the one that i haven't written and this is a good example of a really good story that i've got the entire story written out of my head except a few like a few loose ends at the very very end but the whole story came to me um it was after, just after Chris and I gotten married. Part of our honeymoon excursion was to Pumpkin and oh, yeah. while walking around Pumpkin Inferno, I came up with a whole story idea. I just haven't written the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I've written quite a bit of it,
0: but it's futtered. It's funny that you mentioned that because I definitely assumed that. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for for people who haven't read uh, Steak, but like I just kind of assumed that Pumpkin Inferno. You like went home and you wrote. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Staked>. <laughs> no, because, yeah, Staked was, Staked was written in, like, kind of nice season like this, right? Uh, normal, like, spring, summer type mm-hmm. weather. Um, yeah, Staked is on uh, the last, or second last, Halloween special of the Wicked Library, which if anyone wants to hear my stories, if they're not a reader, they're a listener, you can pick up Prelight Eve 1 and 2, an audiobook, read by D. Michael Hope, who did a really good job there. But Staked, along with quite a few other stories that appear in Prairie Light Eve, are on the Wicked Library. So go and check mm. that stuff out. Or check out, check, out, check out books. I don't know really what I'm going to do. I have the 50th episode. So it just doesn't sound like a big special thing. That's but,
0: huge. Uh, no, 100 is huge. 50's, uh, uh, 50 is something. Well, imagine imagine if, imagine if, you, if you were going to tell somebody that you were going to punch them in the face 50 times. That's a lot. Okay, I get you. That's true. <laughs> No, but I'm excited. You know what I love about it is because it was it was like your, your little neglectorino mm-hmm. for a really long time, and then all of a sudden you came back hard and fast, and you got into a routine and shit, and now everyone gets you know to to watch more cool shit every week.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I get to geek out with my book readings.
0: Yeah, which is something that I don't think we we talk enough about on the show. You know, because I'm such a fucking. Troll Man. Like, I don't read...
1: No, you don't read. But, I mean, is there a fucking book adaptation of Slither? Would I want to read it? No. (laughs) Because...
0: (laughs) I I would definitely want that in my (laughs) horror novelization collection.
1: (laughs) It comes up from time to time, but this is going to be leading into Nest, isn't it? Or the Brood? Or the... The the nest. I the think. nest. Yeah, because we're gonna do the nest next. Yeah, we could do the nest. Yeah, I think we. I think that's what's on the list. A yeah. lot of people in reading that book. So if I were so inclined, I could go and really read yeah. the nest. Yeah. Cool. But anyhow, so that's that. Typical books, Teresa. Check check that shit out.
0: Yeah, yeah, be very exciting. But well, what's this fucking movie even about, anyways, Lydia? But what's this movie even about anyways, Lydia? This
1: movie is about the high price that people pay for produced meat and good cuts and good steaks at the store and how... Why pay like that when there's steaks running around the streets and the bushes and the forest? There's steaks <laughs> on legs,
0: man. If you think about it, we're all just steaks.
1: Steaks on legs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that truck full of meat he had? That must have cost thousands of dollars.
0: It must have. And there's a point in which you can tell someone that you're buying 14 steaks where they might just assume that you're having a pretty big party. But what is the reaction when you buy 500 pounds of fucking cut meat?
1: And you're not taking to the school for a barbecue?
0: Like, you just putting in the back of your pickup truck, just drive that down the road? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, stakes on legs keep a lot better, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. A lot fresher.
1: A lot fresher. So, yeah, that's that's what there's about. We've talked about it quite a bit, because we've been rambling for an hour now. But I like how this film ramps up from just us cops. That's a nod to Thomas, if you didn't notice. <laughs> Sitting behind the sign, being lazy, trying to get some Zs. And a little bit of the small town back and forth of, you know, this marriage isn't working out and he might go and like step out on his wife and the chief of police has a crush on the school teacher and like all this little stuff that happens quite rapidly. The scene setting to Michael Rooker everyone's favorite, mm. getting a fucking stinger from an alien creature embedded in him. And that just starts this domino effect of insanity and body horror like you would not believe. And I don't think that this is necessarily included in the body horror um, category,
0: but it should be. It definitely should be. There's definitely enough of it. Not just uh, Michael Rooker's character it, it gets completely... I mean, he, he turns into a lovecraftian from beyond type creature towards the end of it
1: and then brenda what the fuck is brenda yeah. she is this giant like this giant pod she's an egg sac by yeah. the end of it it's unbelievable
0: yeah and then even when people are are basically infected they they become uh, they erupt in boils uh, it's pretty fucking uh, heinous and so i think this would definitely count towards body horror. I wonder if people don't include it just because of the fact that maybe they feel like it leans too much on science fiction, or perhaps they would think of it more of a zombie film than anything else. I don't know. Mm. People might not include this within body horror because it leans so heavily into science fiction, or perhaps they feel it it's too much of a zombie film, or... There's a lot of reasons, or the fact that it's just not top of mind because so many horror fans spend a lot of time in decades that are not the early 2000s. Some people do, some people will sing the praises of films like Slither,
1: or some people just assume that every film that came out in the 2000s sucks. Exactly, horror sucked in in the
0: 2000s, don't you know? Yeah, so it's again, it's I feel like we're at a time now where everything has the possibility of getting a little moment again, you know, that they, like Jennifer's body, that.
1: As I'm saying, maybe it's because the, the, the body horror in this is not succinctly feminist. And that is, where body horror kind of settled for the last little while, mm. and if it's if it's not like it doesn't strike people as body horror, if it's just kind of general humans or really grotesqueries, mm-hmm. like especially oversized women,
0: I, I, perhaps. I mean, but there's scenes out of this that are that are so reminiscent of society,
1: yeah, very and, much so.
0: And so when you're dealing with like what's considered by many people to be one of the ultimate body horror films, that's Ridiculous. Yeah,
1: it's got some very Cronenbergian moments. Yeah. Although Cronenberg, you could argue, not necessarily feminist, but there is a, an innate sexuality to that, which is not really present in this. Despite the bathtub scene existing, yeah, it's not. There's nothing sexy about it once you see it in context.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's not like it really lingers on her. It's it's a pretty harrowing uh, scene. That-
1: that is a straight-up horror scene at that. Like, that is a very, very well-acted, very tense scene, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, That isn't a body horror scene.
0: And what I liked about it is it really transfers a lot of information, not just to a character, but to us. Uh, I I think one of the things that um, is not praised enough about Slither is it has quite elegant solutions to problems of exposition and problems that would plague films like this. If you didn't have, uh, you know, say what you want about James Gunn, uh, he's, he's a hell of a writer and mm. really has managed to both make his characters really believable and info dump scenes seem very natural and make some sense. It, it, the, the scene doesn't, you don't need to be told. And then it transferred all this information to me visually it tells the story all by itself yeah um and 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 then, and then you have uh kylie able to give information to other people um which I think is, is, is quite cool.
1: Which at the end of the day it doesn't necessarily allow them to defeat this. It gives them some information, yes. It gives them some mm-hmm. information on what this thing is about and how to communicate it communicate with it a little better. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day that is not it's one hundred percent downfall. Mm-hmm. Um and which almost like links it back to body horror one hundred percent.
0: True, and it really has um, elements that... Uh, speaking of Cronenberg, uh, there's a lot of elements to Cronenberg's fly yeah. in this as well because of the transformation that Michael Rooker's character does and also the fact that Slither really operates on a higher level because it is not just a mindless alien force. It's not just Wormies kind of going around. It's this fascinating glimpse into uh, a human being caught between uh, nature... And his, his, himself, his intelligence, his, the, the, the stuff that he's built up around his love for Starla and, and the fact that this is not just an alien invasion with the agenda of spreading. It's also an alien invasion that's kind of, in a weird way, stuck between its head and its heart.
1: Yeah, no, and it's not only because of his character too. I think that the creature allows us to have some sort of emotions. Maybe it's from like a Ryukian kind of standpoint Mm. where to make us a little more entertaining for it while it Mm -hmm. decimates and then eventually demolishes our entire planet. Like Mm -hmm. Michael Rooker, after being infected and eating the hundreds of thousands of pounds of meat, creating himself a nest in the basement with a ghillie net and bags of leaves, and then having like what turns out to be a room full of roadkill, basically, and bolting that door so his wife can't go in there. Mm-hmm. You know, after all of this is revealed, his mm-hmm. explanation to his wife is how... How can you blame someone for acting according to his own nature? Mm-hmm. So he is struggling with this and explaining himself to her. Like, mm-hmm. I love you. Yes, I was hiding this from, but I'm eating animals and I can't stop and I need meat. And this is my nature.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I love how these, it would have been so easy to have the zombies be zombies. It had mm-hmm. been so easy to do that. But to have them all extensions of him, they are all him. They all express their love to him. They match the cadence of his voice. It's really fucking interesting. And, and so when you're watching this scene, you, you know that you're watching something that is of an – this is elevated writing. This is this – is, there was a million easy ways to do this. And they chose the interesting way, not the easy way.
1: Yeah, instead of just wallowing in the schlock.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, no offense to people who love trauma, but that's a, that's a fucking easy thing to think that someone like James Gunn would want to do. hmm but, but, you know, this guy was really coming—he, like, really had—like, trauma to a lot of people is like the Roger Corman factory of old, right? It's just yeah. a place to sort of cut your teeth and start out. Um and uh and and to get opportunities that way if you just want to make movies and james gunn seems like a dude that just wants to write and make movies and has a knack for it obviously so yeah so there's a lot of things in slither that that uh i really really like just as a writer Mm -hmm. um if i could call myself that which i feel weird always doing that but
1: but you are.
0: Yeah, I just <laughs> I just feel weird about it. It's weird. It's a weird thing to call yourself. Will
1: you still call yourself a writer in 50 years when you stopped writing?
0: But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um uh we'll see. Uh anyway, so it's really really fucking cool. And I think that uh and again, the little touches, we talked about this when we were watching it, but the the, the small town feels so good.
1: It really does. And having grown up in a small town, mm. you you recognize those things for what they are. Mm-hmm. And that shorthand is used oh, yeah. so effectively. I
0: love that. I love when characters from a small town address each other by their first names. They know everybody. They know if you're a teenager, they know the teens, they know the adults. Again, the police show up and, and you're... Oh hey, Bill! It's, hey, Starla! It, hey, yeah. Starla! It's, hey, is it's,
1: Grant around? Is
0: Grant around? And 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 you know Nathan Fillion does this. It, it does such a great job of being this easygoing small town cop. Was probably uh you know it's easy to imagine him as just being uh, a charming, good-looking guy throughout high school, and then he just became a cop because you that's know that's what you do. That's what you do, and then and. And and then, you know, everyone who's married off and dating each other, they all knew each other from fucking years ago. And they they probably it's probably like grade school or kindergarten, grade school, middle school, high school and then adulthood. and And like they've just that's it. That's that's your circle because that's who grew up in this town and shit like that. Um, I love that type of shorthand. It's just so interesting to me.
1: When it's done effectively. Yeah, yeah, completely. Completely. And it's believable here. And the casting, as you would pointed out, even in bit characters and background.
0: Yeah, the background characters really look like people that you would see in a small town. Yeah. Really, really... Uh, effective Because it's it's like, listen, you see Elizabeth Banks and you see Nathan Fillion and you're like, oh, look, movie stars. But when you see the regular people, they really cast it with people that look regular.
1: And when you see Michael Rucker, you think Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. <laughs> yeah. And you think, like, wow,
0: he's still so buff.
1: Quite. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that because it worked very well with that. 50s sci-fi throwback feel because that's where these things hit like tornadoes hit a trailer park aliens hit a small town
0: exactly Mm -hmm. and it's really cool to just see people sort of left to their own devices they rally up a posse and shit once they realize that shit is going down because like michael rooker for a little while is kind of doing like a vincent d'onofrio in men in black i'm not a cockroach man type thing although they do that for like five seconds in that movie and in this it's like you know the first 30 minutes or so mm-hmm. maybe even 40 minutes they're not really quite sure what and, he, and michael rooker could just be like henry It's this is henry's portrait of a serial killer too yeah. it's like he ditched he ditched uh the little blonde becky. yeah becky <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs>
1: He did, Becky and
0: hung, <laughs> I, with I hung out with Starla. And hung out with Starla and just he just traded one blonde for another.
1: Could be, could be, but no, it gets the best of him because he starts to look really grotesque, and that's where Starla yeah. finally breaks down because when he comes to the window and he has these growths out of his head and is this bulbous boil or like all these marks on his neck and yeah. stuff, and he has been acting very strange, which eh, like. I guess the the idea is like, well, I'm trying to be a good wife, and if he wants to go off and do these secret things and have a locked door in the house, I mean, that's very Stepford wife thinking.
0: Yeah. But. It's strange. If the second, if I was with anybody, and then all of a sudden there was like a brand new padlock drilled into the door, I'm like, uh, do you have like a teen girl locked up in there or what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> And, like, the very first, like, even that huge bug bite on his chest. It's like, we need to go to the hospital. Yeah. No bug bite looks like that.
0: Yeah. Not, let's just keep having sex. It's just, uh, what she got going on there? He, you know what's interesting about this body horror thing? It would have been so easy to make patient zero a woman and have that as the source of infection. Because I feel like if this was, like, rabid or... The Brood, or I guess I'm just naming off Cronenberg films right now. You could just name off Cronenberg films. Yeah, I guess. Rabid. I, yeah, ra- yeah, rabid. Uh, yeah, rabid. So um, when you are when you are dealing with that, it just seems I don't know. Like maybe it's just like my a gender bias on my part. But like I, I was just like, oh, it's interesting that it's Michael Rooker. Uh, well,
1: not necessarily gender bias on your part. It's a gender bias instilled by the films out there that exist. Species. And what is? Yeah. What and. Oh, there's uh, so many others, really. When you think about it, yeah. Whether it is uh, an infection tale like this or uh, a transformation or a werewolf story, mm. it's always the girls, mm. usually. But mm. it's it's this gender bias instilled on you by the the filmmakers.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just thought it was an interesting choice to make it Michael Rooker because he's a, he's a, a, essentially impregnating people with ooey gooey's.
1: Yes, and that is about the sexiest scene right there. Was mm-hmm. was when he picks up Brenda. Well, he picks up Brenda, and they go into the forest, and that's when he gets infected by this thing. And the next yeah. day, he goes to visit her mm-hmm. instead of going to the boot scoot and boogie with his wife. <laughs> he stands up his wife to go hang with Brenda. Yeah, to go crazy. have a, a
0: sordid affair, perhaps. She seems kind of. It, it's. Do you get this the sense that it feels good for both people to get double penetrated by these? Uh, tubulars
1: it's hard to tell the look on her face is is mixed and i like it when it comes down to that because she's not doing like a porn star face no of of enjoying this despite anything Mm -hmm. else um that she would like you know quantify this as rape or would you quantify this as an attack or an impregnation or Mm -hmm. uh, yeah um what is really going on here is really hard to discern from her face because she doesn't It looks like uh, worried and painful and sexually aroused all at once. Like the Mm. actress does a very good job with the scene to make it as confusing to the viewer as it must be for her. Mm. So I don't know if it feels good for both of the people. Michael Rooker just looks—he looks like he could have had a very tasty piece of apple pie
0: yeah like after thanksgiving just sort of sitting out on the couch there just like i got my shirt open yeah um yeah no it's it's pretty interesting uh this starts off this idea of when you get infected by whatever he's getting infected i mean if you've seen the trailers and you know what's coming but Mm -hmm. for right it just seems he's got this chick now chained up eating raw meat and she can't seem to get enough of it uh it can't seem to be i mean that possum over there (laughs) <laughs> Please <don't> so <laughs> hungry. <laughs> when you're dealing with this idea that Michael Rooker might just straight up be a serial killer, like Henry the Porter the Serial Killer, the movie shifts gears by the time they figure out that they are going to head to this barn and see what's become of Brenda. Yeah. This is, I mean, Jesus. It's pretty wild.
1: Because we, at the point when he penetrates her with his little tentacles, because he has tentacles that come out of his, his chest, which are very different than the tentacles his arms become. Yeah. And they are like toothed tentacles. Mm-hmm. And um, certain animal penises have a barb like that, too, from yeah. what I understand. So anyway, um, we would think that she's just going to become one of him. Yeah. Right? Not so. No. Yeah. Like many cool animals, they exist in multiple forms. His form is funny because he does like, you know, he when he returns to the house, and Starla has already flipped out quite a bit and called the police because of the way he looks. And he is deformed by this point. Not quite this deformed, but he's very deformed. Mm-hmm. And the cops show up just at that prime time when he is starting to show what his body could do. He has go-go gadget arm.
0: Yeah, he's got I want to call it a
1: better cartoon word.
0: There's no <laughs> Scooby Doo reference. There's no Scooby Doo reference, but I will say this much: he has got himself. Uh, he's very melty looking. He's yeah. uh, and and they so much though so that they they start using uh, a squid stickers to indicate what he looks like.
1: <laughs> and they make squid jokes, and it, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty funny. funny yeah. yeah, it is super funny. And um, some some to a certain extent, Lovecraftian. Let's say just because of if you saw a creature that had become infected or was turning into something insmorthian to a certain degree with tentacles and such people would make fun of it with this little cthulhu looking tentacle thing that they have on his computer while they're making fun of him and while the mayor is yelling at the mall he's got the squeaky cthulhu toy in his hand and he's like squeaking <laughs> it while he yells which is funny yeah. Very funny stuff.
0: Yeah. And and it's funny because he, uh, Michael Roker's character looks deformed for sure, but still humanoid. By the time they run into him again, killing a cow and shit. Yeah, because they've tracked the farmer's fields that
1: he seems to be moving through. So they have a guesstimation of what field he's going to show up in next Yeah, I like the way this creature moves, and it reminded me a lot of the host how much I like the way that that creature moved. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not for as long of a time, we don't get to really study it like we have in the host. We only get a few glimpses of this particular iteration because this creature evolves and changes and grows. Uh, So we get to see this sort of mid-stage where it's far more squid-like than humanoid.
0: Yeah, and and uh, you 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 could really wouldn't be able to tell that this thing was ever a human. There seems to be some parts of them left that look a little humanoid, but for the most part, it looks like a sluggy snake t- tentacle man. Like it just it's hard to really a put land a, octopus, a land octopus. Yeah, if you're gonna and this is the first time that Mi- Michael Rooker really officially kills another human, isn't it? He w- basically whips a guy and bisect them lengthwise.
1: Yeah, which is... Uh, I'd forgotten entirely about this scene.
0: Yeah, it's a really, really cool scene. Nice and gory and shit. And, um, you know, they don't linger on it too long. I would assume that they don't linger on a lot of the special effects too long because they would be expensive. But um, for the most part, uh, it, it, these scenes are quick and they're very effective. And also, it's just like a good shot of just entrails and gore pouring out of a person that's been sliced in half lengthwise, Mm -hmm. you have um, a chase that happens and that's when he leads them to this birthing pod that was at one point a woman named Brenda.
1: Well, good thing her name's not Bertha because that would just be too funny.
0: (laughs) She bursts like a fucking balloon it's insane.
1: The way her skin tears is quite realistic. Oh, the way yeah. that people react. And I do like, for the most part, the reactions in this. I'd say, like, 9 out of 10 of the reactions of the people strike me as quite natural. Even if when they're comedic. But mm-hmm. standing there, mouths agape, not knowing what words to choose to explain. Oh my god, everyone back up. She's bursting. People yeah. don't burst at the seams.
0: Yeah, Nathan Fillion, like, kneeling down to her and just being like... Hey, Brenda. Like, what you think's going on? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get you to a hospital. Yeah, and and it's just it's just like, yeah. What would you say to somebody like that? Um, but <laughs> this erupts into just. Fucking slug city, man. Slug
1: city chaos. It is gross. It is awesome. It is not so gross. Even though I don't like the whole like things going into mouths thing, I typically have a real problem with that. I
0: fucking forgot all about that.
1: Yeah. I can handle this. Because yeah. it is done in nice quick bursts. And mm-hmm. Don't linger. It's scary. And it is tense. I really enjoy that. Some people get infected right away. They've got slugs wiggling in their mouths, And other people... Th- see what's going on and cover their mouths and understand how very quickly how to escape this mm-hmm. and in what, what I would have to say is the one CG bit that doesn't hold up is when all of the little squirmy wormies cover it's Nathan Fillion and it's, the blonde it's girl it's hard
0: like even nowadays that's a tough like lighting blending and blending physical, yeah, yeah it's just there's movies that have come out recently that when you see them sort of with a real person and CGI moving around it you're just like woof
1: I know, so they did very well for the time, very, yeah. very well. I I remember thinking it looked extremely real first time I saw it, but then we're watching it um, in a better quality HD.
0: Yeah, you know? so like you thank could, you iTunes. Yeah, thanks. And you could see the scenes a little bit, but at the same time, um, uh, I don't think it like the scene doesn't lose anything. It's interesting to me that the worms kind of give up and go elsewhere well they've waved and receded that's
1: i know i know what you mean yeah the way i explained it to myself (laughs) like i do with so many things is that they all exploded from this woman and they sort of got their bearings and just swarmed over everything like what is this what is this new world and then they went off Mm -hmm. and scattered Mm -hmm. like baby turtles oh yeah
0: yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's not like it ruins anything for yeah. me. Yeah. But, but you're thinking
1: like, why? Where are they going?
0: Yeah, where okay. are they going? I think like, I understand that there's an entire town to to infect and spread, and and they have a job to do, mm-hmm. like sperm. But uh, you you would think that they would have stuck around to try to get. But that being said, it becomes clear that the modus operandi of these slugs is not necessarily to infect every living person, is to just infect enough of them. They're perfectly fine with just consuming, like eventually eating whatever can't, yeah, be um, absorbed. So whatever, right? It's it, it's like the path of least resistance. Uh, there's there's other things to do.
1: We yeah, like following these worms to the farmhouse where yeah. we get to the. Uh, aforementioned bathtub scene.
0: Bathtub scene. Kylie loses her family or twin uh, sisters and mm-hmm. reading their Goosebumps books and shit like that. That's cute. Isn't I, know. It I cute? was
1: never a Goosebumps fan because it was, was outside of my age. But yeah. yeah, I immediately said that they were my favorite books.
0: <laughs> 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 Goose birds. Birds.
1: my favorite books they were my
0: they were their favorite birds. they were their favorite burks it's nice to see kids in the year of our lord 2006 reading goosebumps books
1: which is very adorable they seem like very well adjusted good kids what a nice family now they're all dead um yeah. <clears throat> that's one thing is that you you're not spared too much like the the kids don't get their heads blown off with shotguns. No, I'll give you, it that.
0: You, you don't see that.
1: But there is. They're, they're not. You get to see them writhing in pain. Mm-hmm. They come Spitting after. Yeah, and, and um, saying horrible things yeah. at the truck because she runs to a truck to try and escape her mm-hmm. now infected family that is very zombie-like. This is where it becomes a zombie movie. Mm.
0: There's a entirely. scene that almost that's very reminiscent of Night of Living Dead, where one of them picks up a fucking rock. And is gonna like smash the glass and shit. But it, it it's uh and this is a character Kylie that we've spent only there was two scenes with yeah, her. In the classroom. The classroom you see her for five seconds with no dialogue, then all of a sudden the, uh, they do a really nice job of foreshadowing a lot of shit. Everything from nails to hand grenades. If they mention something in the script, it is used later. Which I dig. I like that. That's the whole. Is
1: it Hitchcock that was show the gun in the first act? It has to go off by the second.
0: Exactly. Uh, like um. That. And and uh, the this idea that um everything in a script should contribute to the final effect. Yes. Is like so no wasted shit. Um. And and some things are really obvious. Like hey, you think we should bring that hand grenade from blankety blank? And I'm like that hand grenade is going to come into play later. Uh, even though it comes into play in a very comedic way. Uh, But something like the nails, like I just got my nails done by my, uh, my Japanese school friend. How's that? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what she uses to keep this thing from sliding into her mouth. This scene I dig a lot because like I said, as this thing is about to infect her and her eyes are rolling back, you see what's happening is it is imprinting this hive mentality into her. And it's not just... Knowledge about this creature from eons ago, where we know where we come from and this is what we are. It also from like last week. <laughs> yeah, it also directly explains, gives you the experiences of Michael Rooker's character, mm-hmm. and that, and and then as such, since he is patient zero, all of these infected people are extensions of him. They now we all, get
1: that when the older cop Wally, I think his name is, mm-hmm. uh, comes to uh, mm-hmm. because out at the farmhouse still Mm -hmm. um i keep wanting to call him dewey (laughs) deputy dewey (laughs) deputy dewey he's the chief of police um as bill has is heading toward the farmhouse he doesn't Mm -hmm. know what's going on there but he's heading towards the farmhouse um starla is back at the farm and the other dead cops start waking up because Mm -hmm. they're now infected cops and they start speaking to her Mm-hmm. And we ca- we even catch on this done so very well I think we notice that it's Grant grant's voice mm-hmm. and things that he would like his tone and inflection because Michael Rooker speaks quite specifically yeah and it works very well that before she even realizes that it's grant talking from this mm-hmm. high mind type situation um, we get it and at the same time we're we're or shortly before that we're explaining that quite succinctly with this sort of Terminator-esque matrix Matrixy sort of the crow moment where, you know, where the crow grabs the guy's face and yeah. shows yeah. him his whole life story? Yeah. Same sort of thing happens here. Yeah. It, but I think of Terminator because I think of like what happens when the machines rise.
0: <laughs> um, This type of uh, understanding what is infecting you and where they're coming from... Is a very night of the creeps, mm-hmm. because if you remember in that movie, uh, you know the main character's sort of funny friend gives a monologue about I can feel them inside of me, at, well through a tape recorder. He gives this monologue about what these things want and what they do and shit like that. But this is done to greater effect, I feel. We also get a glimpse of distant alien worlds that have been conquered by this invasive species for lack of a better term, uh, throughout billions of years, Mm -hmm. it's clocked at. So this thing consumes a planet, spreads to another planet, so on and so forth, forever and ever. Amen.
1: See, I don't know why this wouldn't be so much more popular, because in 2006, everyone was very worried about the zebra mussels. Clinging on to boats coming through the canals from the US to Canada, purple loose strife, <laughs> all those very important eco- not or very important bioeconomic things.
0: Yeah. This is all speaking to nature, uh um the 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 idea of like uh the inheritance of evil, this idea of Uh, natural, like natural disasters, this, this invading foreign forces from beyond the moon. Uh, this is speaking to all kinds of paranoia about not trusting your neighbors, about, um, survival of the fittest about the breakdown of society there's all kinds of things that this uh, movie is directly commenting on not as subtext but fucking text
1: no the only thing they're missing there is a, is a cern reactor and then it would be exactly addressing all
0: of our fears exactly and even even this idea about the sanctity of marriage and this idea of of uh, tradition and sticking by someone even though they are this monster like elizabeth banks like the reason one of the big tells is she is constantly talking now, whether or not she believes this, she's basically trying to calm him down. But it's this, it, but again, all of these things that this movie is talking about, there's no reason why people wouldn't get into this. I'm telling you, it is the combination of uh, people just sticking their nose up at it before they watched it. That's yep. what this is to yeah. me mm-hmm. um, because it didn't fit in the parameters of what they wanted from horror in 2006. Mm-hmm. That's what I think they let
1: ghosts and mumble mouth kids
0: yeah that's what they wanted and to a large extent that's what they still want This movie was was being sold to a demographic that you know didn't exist honestly it existed the cool sort of hipster kids and 20somethings would have dug it and they probably did that's probably who went to go see it and they're the people that covet it now but it, it this is a film that just it was gonna take years for people to catch on. Like The Thing. That movie bombed. Mm-hmm. Like, people wanted E.T. They didn't want, as he, as Carpenter famously said. But, again, now, when we're dealing with Michael Rooker wanting Elizabeth Banks, this is a real trump card that he has because he is denying his own alien nature now at every turn. He is not killing this person. You could even argue that perhaps people are safer when they're around her because these infected and the slugs won't aggressively pursue
1: not the, anyone else because they're very distracted in yeah. reasoning with her to a certain extent for yeah, whatever reason trying to and listening it. to what she has to say
0: yeah now that being said like fucking, he has his own ideas about nathan fillion's character of bill and and shit like that and he seems like you won't even look at me anymore cause I'm ugly. <laughs> like if there's that there's that sense uh to him where and I can understand that I can understand wanting your loved one to look at you the way that you want them to look at you and and when you look at them with horror well wait that's you can't I can't help this I'm this thing now and I want you to that's how come I feel like she what she really accomplishes in that last scene with him is looking at him the way that he remembered her looking at her when they were in love and mm-hmm. when he was not a big sack of shit sitting in
1: the corner, or an amalgamation of every other person in the town. Because exactly,
0: he is pretty much absorbed. It's a fucking fascinating process, the life cycle of this creature, because it seems that this transformation requires so much energy, so much meat, and and when he, and and there is there is two different types of of people. There's infected drones that carry on Michael Rooker's will and he is all he is brother eye in the sky. He can see everything. He can communicate his thoughts simultaneously throughout all of them. They all have collected knowledge of billions of years of evolution while simultaneously being essentially Michael Rooker. Yeah. And then also, there are people that are gathered for food. Then there's people who are gathered to breed, like Brenda, because, and, and when uh, McReddy gets captured, he becomes one of these. Like a breeder. A breeder, yeah, which where. So, would be so sad.
1: But he begs Nathan Fillion to kill him, yeah, which and happens he, quite quickly.
0: Yeah, he does too. And, and this whole uh, sequence is fascinating to me. I love this look of all these people just so insane by hunger, eating yeah. until like their bellies are bursting essentially, and um all to, to grow these things in their stomachs and shit like that in that moment. To, again, James Gunn's use of music in this film is fucking fascinating to me. And he does this in all of his movies. There is always an interesting use of music to overlay film.
1: Yeah. Oh, it is you're every woman in the world to me. Oh,
0: yeah. That's such a great fucking... Uh,
1: it's an okay song. Yeah. But the no, lyrics... That's themselves what I'm saying. ...lend themselves to this film like yeah. no other song Like, like I'm
0: not going to put this on my Spotify, but I think that this agrees with the scene oh so much, right? And all the photos on the walls, like, this is really... It's so fucking tragic in a way. Like, it really pulls on your heartstrings, mine especially, because I just... I, I like... I love love, right? So, like, I just get really into that sort of shit. And so like this idea of being like this blobulous creature who's trying to like hide this from his wife for a while and you wonder why. And then you can understand that this alien creature really is only a fraction of what he is. His mind is still somewhat There. Yeah. And, 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 but like an addiction, he can't stop his nature.
1: When she addresses him as Grant, oh, yeah. She, he reacts and she right away says, You like it when I call you Grant, don't you? Because I, everyone has been calling it that thing Mm
0: -hmm, (laughs) at -hmm. this point. And just speaking about how lonely he is, and it's interesting because you have this person who has all of these people like merging into him. There's like five or six other humans that are like part of his big pussy body now. And there's another section of him leading out the door that's absorbing people as they come. Yeah, just bloating out the back and shit. And you really have this sense that, oh man, like how could we be... You know, it's like speaking, like it's even speaking to us now. It's like we all have social media and there's like we have millions of followers and we have all these people. We have 100% contact with everyone at all times. Like in text. aren't you lonely? But aren't you lonely? Loneliness
1: is the number one cause. of depression and suicide. And we're all interconnected, but it's hollow. Yeah. yeah. And if you had all these people actually attached to you and absorbing to your weird pussy body, you would still feel so alone. Also because they're all you.
0: Yeah, they really yeah. all are all you. And, and, and I could speak to like the fact that we cocoon ourselves with like-minded people and never look outside. Yeah. I see that. I'm finding layers, man. But um when, when when Nathan Fillion shows up, the funniest fucking shit to me. I love physical comedy. So like I love this shit with the grenade where
1: he I was almost looking for a, a fake shemp in the credits, really. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I, you know, speaking of Shamsley, I, I was just, I said to you while we were watching this movie, I was like, there's a world in which Nathan Fillion just stuck with horror, horror and yeah. became this generation's Bruce Campbell. Because it he was be so, funny. it's its so similar to a Bruce Campbell-like character.
1: Very much like Ash's trajectory from wiener to winner. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? That's where he could have gone in Slithers too. Slithers? <laughs> Slither 2.
0: You know, they could call it Slithers and just leave the two right out of it. Oh my god. Mm-hmm.
1: They could. That's never happened. No. <laughs> is that our alien reference for the show? That's
0: our alien reference. <laughs> okay. <There's>,
1: uh, <laughs> and done. And done. <laughs> got Scooby-Doo aliens. You got to say mean mugging at least once. You haven't said that in about a year and a half.
0: Really mean mugging them. He's just, you know, speaking of, there's a textbook example of mean mugging in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. The textbook example of mean mugging uh, is the fact that Michael Rooker keeps accusing Starla of wanting to fuck Nathan Fillion because he's good looking now. That is the definition of mean mugging.
1: Which he basically leaves her when she convinces him that, no, no, that's not the case. And Mm -hmm. you're my husband and I love you and we can be together forever. And then it's like, bad timing there, Bill, if you're going to come in with a goddamn hand grenade
0: now because yeah. you're going to
1: prove her wrong. <laughs> but
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty fucking great. Uh and Nathan Fillion does a really great job. The stuff with the deer is really funny. The, it, like the conversation he has with Kylie afterwards about like, you know, I'm going to tell everyone that that I saved you from the deer and shit like that. You know, it's just really really uh clever shit. Like I said, just very like it seems like something that you know, if Bruce Campbell was like perhaps younger at the time or more interested, maybe he like James Gunn would have tried to get him. But Nathan Fillion is a really good call because, like I said, he's very similar acting style and type of actor, just like a, a square chinned buffoon, right? This is what you get. Well, really-
1: yeah, and he doesn't me as too buffoonery until this point because he's the hero. He's gonna save the day. He's got the hand grenade. He's gonna throw <laughs> the hand grenade onto the
0: blobulous beast. And yeah. that is- fucks it up twice. Yeah. And then the, the, when it lands in the pool, it's so fucking funny. Because it actually goes off in the pool. It goes off in the pool. Um, Kylie gets smucked by that couch, and you think, oh, well, there's... Kylie's done. Because I, I was thinking... Like, that would break your legs. There is... You know what? There was... Um, I, like, I'm a pretty big guy. I remember, like, me and my brother used to fight with our couch in the basement. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to, like, pick up the couch and, like, try to, like, crush him with it and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. There's the, the yeah. Yeah.
1: And he would. Just for the viewers who haven't, like, have no idea what we look like, Wes can pick up a couch.
0: <laughs> I'm a big dude. I, I used to, like, and he used to kick back on it with his feet while huh. I was trying to, like, push down on it. Yeah. And stuff yeah. like that. It was weird. The couch, the, the, the couch was, um, a very light wood frame, like, With that pattern, that 80s checked pattern on it. But
1: this is a girl that's probably my size, 20 pounds
0: lighter. Yeah, she's pretty tiny. Uh, So there's... You know what? There's a very reasonable version of this film where Kylie's dead after she got hit by that (laughs) couch. Particularly since like a big monster with a very strong tentacle whipped it at her. Yeah. It's not like Wes picked it up and gently dropped it down on top of you. It's like this tentacle man fucking chucked it um, even here the beast is pulling punches when it comes to starla though because oh, yeah it
1: whips a, a couch carelessly into a human female like it doesn't even care or know she's there but then just sort of gently nudges the wife aside
0: he can whip that thing to the point in which he could literally slice a man a grown man in two with in a fraction of us, so fast you won't even have time to register it. He yeah. could kill anyone at any time. Does
1: he kill Starla? No.
0: no, no. And even when he's very slowly coiling his his tentacles around her, like a can Yeah, it's like he doesn't need to do this. Like he could literally just like knock her head clean off if he felt like it. Yeah. Um. When, but and but you know, Bill showing up really triggers. Uh. Grant, like that, really is—he really hates to see that fucking guy. Yeah, because he's built up all these ideas about shit between him and uh, Starla in his head. The fact that that Bill has carried a torch for this woman since they were young, and he's teased about it—I mean, I could see that. No, I would assume that Grant would be aware of that. Like,
1: mm-hmm. he
0: may be married Starla, but he knows that other people are a sweet on her. She is the hot teacher, right? She is the hot teacher. Yeah, yeah. There's literally students in her class that are like, hot for teacher. They're like, drawn her. And what? What does Grant do?
1: I mean, they have a beautiful home. That's not a teacher's salary.
0: There seems to be an indication from Elizabeth Banks' character of Starla that her family was rich. Oh. There's there's one line, and I can't remember where it sits in the movie, but it's something about their inherit, her inheritance. Ah, oh, okay because it is a it's it's a beyond it's a mansion it's a huge fucking house it is
1: it's a beautiful house was
0: super and i thought that too i was like kind of fucking ridiculous on a teacher's salary and he looks like
1: he's not an architect
0: no (laughs) and he's not generic businessman he doesn't seem to be the most educated man in the fucking world he's got a hard body looks like he looks like a man that works with his hands for a living he
1: does and like i i don't know he drives a truck not that that says much, because this is that sort of small town, which the small town thing does lend that to, he could be a handyman. He could work on small engine repair. Who knows what he does? He Co- Yeah, could do construction. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's
0: hard to really say what he does. He could
1: snow plow in the winter. I mean, it helps with the good old boys too, because everyone has a gun and high powered guns, that for mm-hmm. deer hunting, which is a theme in this town. So, I mean, that setting sort of lends itself to that. And having that one girl with the old money definitely yeah. works too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what what he did, if nothing at all. Just sit around the house all day being
0: super buff. Yeah, I mean like he's fucking ripped. So when the the interesting thing in this movie is the fact that um you need both those tubulars to impregnate someone. I don't know if you knew that, Liz.
1: It's sort of like embalming somebody. You need an innie and an outie.
0: You need an innie and an outie. But Nathan Fillion gets one innie, but the other outie goes into what like a gas can basically?
1: Yeah, there's a propane tank for the barbecue yeah. because b- barbecues are big in the South, I guess. And he's got it. I guess it's been knocked off of its thing, and it's just spitting gas all over. Yeah. And he attaches one of those, I guess, the any yeah, into this propane tank, so it's filling up
0: Michael Rooker. With, with, with gas. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird because, like, those claws don't seem like they would be syringes, but I, they must be if it's pumping something into you.
1: And then, like, yeah right away I'm thinking, this wouldn't work. This wouldn't work. Then the other part of my brain says, well, it has to because it is.
0: Yeah, it has to because this is the end of it. This is the part of the movie where you wonder if they're going to do, like, a lot of alien invasion flicks. You have this whole fucking army come down to a planet to infect it. And you just need to hit one, it's like a video game, one glowing weak point, hit that like 10 times. And then everybody, all those worms die. And everyone that they've infected with and everyone that's been impregnated with all dies simultaneously. Anytime that they do that. It's head and, vampire. Yes. I they, thought they were all going to wake up.
1: Because like when you kill the head vampire, everyone's not a vampire anymore. I I feel like those
0: things are so big and they're so lodged in people's brains, I could see them being actually dead.
1: And I guess they are dead and reanimated. Like Mm -hmm.
0: those wasps. Yeah, those wasps that get infected by those parasites and shit that like make you walk to a place and spread and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: Craziness. Craziness. Because I really thought they were all going to wake up after Michael Rooker gets bit.
0: No, and it seems, we don't know for sure... But it seems as though there's only three survivors in this whole town.
1: Yep, yep, and they're gonna go start a new family like survivors do.
0: Yeah, I try not to think about that. I'm just like, like I, I, like, I would, I would love if Nathan Fillion like turned to her and just being like, "So let me get this straight, you're technically single now, right?" Like that been a fucking.
1: <laughs> that would have been eye rolling. Yeah. and I mean the girl has no parents anymore, so I guess she kind of needs parents. Nudge, nudge, guys.
0: You know, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Right? I've
1: read so much 80s horror that ends like that, where, you know, like, The Shining ends like that in the book. Yeah. There's a lot of horror that ends like that, where it's like, well, I guess we have survived all that. Hmm. At least here we know that they are a couple material because they were sweet on one another, and he's always held this torch for her. Mm-hmm. So I guess that fits. But, yeah, my, uh, I thought that it was a little bit... It was less gory than I thought it would be, even though an entire blob of human meat explodes in the living room. Mm. My, my first thought is like, oh, that's going to be a bitch to clean up. I wonder if they're going to keep the house.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems like a good chunk of the house is probably wrecked. At least the, the living room seems pretty fucked up. And there's like a big hole in the back because uh, Michael Rooker's pussy ass needs to like hang out the back so people can join with him. But it's hard to really say.
1: They so just burn the house to the ground.
0: Well, I don't know. To me, the thing that I was thinking about was that is a lot of bodies to cart away. the The fucking front of the house looks like there's a hundred dead people at least there. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that there's there was other people in the town that are probably uh, partially eaten dead died via i don't know
1: oh and there's a whole room full of dead animals and dead people in the basement too yeah I it's just about the nest
0: yeah i i honestly would just think it would be better to burn the entire house down take care of that and clean up the ashes and then the and the, just
1: start throwing people from the town into that fire because no. the whole town's gonna stink
0: soon oh yeah 24 hours and it's the those, those bodies sitting out out in the sun yeah oh yeah that's yeah. gonna Dang. they do a good job with the smell they like a lot of talking about how bad places stink in this movie yeah which yeah. you know I like you
1: like that yeah going yeah. into the barn you would have been like
0: no way oh I would have, have been mcready like puking my guts out I'm not good with the stench of death even if, if there's a a, a, fair, a large enough carcass
1: that's a special
0: level of hell for you oh it just I can't I can't stand that yeah. wretched smell yeah so we got go to next for
1: We're going to go into some more insectile insanity, from what I understand, with uh, The Nest. The
0: Nest. We're going back to the 1980s, and we're going to watch a science fiction cockroach movie.
1: Then we're wiggling our way into Stephen King of Palooza. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's going to be a grand old time. You know, there's a part of me that's a little, like, I hope you'll like The Nest. I don't know. I, I remember watching it and really digging it, and, like, way more than I thought I would. But now I'm, there's, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't make you watch something you don't like. No,
1: I think I will see if I can't turn up a copy of the book for mm. fun and see if it does match, if it is the exact same. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing something very similar to the rats, and I
0: enjoyed the rats. Yeah, or if you liked the last story in Creepshow.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's, I do.
0: It's very similar to that.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, I am looking forward to it. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And
0: you've been listening to Dead Air.